Hi, you're tuned into the IoT Insider with Dan Cunliffe. I'm Managing Director of Pangea. Um, what you're going to hear in our podcast is the lowdown on all tech opportunities and partnerships you'll need in order to get started and succeed in the Internet of Things market. Um, the podcasts are intended to be short enough for you to enjoy on your commute or when you're driving or traveling to meet someone um, in the market and you maybe want to hear something interesting um, ahead of your meeting. Uh, whether you're a partner already of Pangea uh, or just looking to learn some more about engagement or IoT content, um, please make sure that you subscribe and tune in for our monthly podcast uh, to get all the best information. Um, and I may refer to certain sports uh, from time to time because I'm obviously a avid sports fan. Welcome everybody to our first podcast of 2020. My name is Dan Cunliffe, Managing Director of Pangea. I hope you had a great festive time. Uh, it's probably time to stop saying Happy New Year, but I will say Happy New Year to my esteemed guest who joins me today, um, the resident 5G expert, Dr. Oslan Luzman, joins us here. Hi, Doctor. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year to everyone. So recently in uh, December, we were in Hawaii for the Globecom conference. Not for Christmas. Not for Christmas. <laughs> for the Globecom <laughs> conference. Yep. Yes. And for those of you who don't know about Globecom, it's called Global Communications Conference, and it's a flagship conference of IEEE. IEEE is the Institute for Electrical and Electronics Engineers, and it's stationed in the United States. And it's the biggest uh, research publisher in the domain of electrical and uh, electronics, and essentially telecommunications as well. So I was there to present our project, which is about 5G-enabled healthcare and ambulances. Yep. Well, you know what? Um, so today's podcast is really to talk about Globecom, um, what it means, um, who was there, and maybe what our partners can get out of it. So, you know, let's jump straight into it. Um, tell me, uh, obviously the presentation, I assume, went very well. You're going to tell us in a second. But um, your goal was there to present the project that we've been working on um, to some of the most, you know, interesting people in the world of 5G, including some investors, how'd it go? So uh, my uh, presentation was the very first day, and it was a whole session from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Wow. And I was lucky in some way that I was able to chair that session as well, okay. because the actual chairperson for the session couldn't make it, <laughs> and they requested me to do that. So the project was about 5G-enabled healthcare and ambulances, yep. um, and I presented it to a different... Um, panel that was from different research domains yeah. and it was uh, there were some researchers from industry as well and the sponsors uh, such as Qualcomm, Intel, Huawei there were people from those companies as well. Yeah, so all the big guys were there really represented, yes. yeah? Yes, and the aim of Globecom is to see what kind of technologies will shape the future so I received very good feedback from different uh, panelists and from different attendees. Okay. And it just uh, made my commitment and faith stronger in, the in our project and what we're going to do there. Yeah, I think it's um, great to get that level of credibility uh, from such a wide audience around 5G, um, especially with the project we're working on. And for those who've listened to the podcast before, we have spoken about the project uh, quite a bit. And we'll continue to talk about the project as we kind of, you know, go on into 2020 and beyond um, and really focus on that. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about the tech roundup. You know, Globecom is supposed to be like the Super Bowl 
<laughs> of the whole sort of, you know, technology coming together and um, uh, sort of aptly time to be in Hawaii. Because last year it was in Munich, or at least 2018, it was in Munich. So, you know, very fast and uh, different place to go to. But tell me a little bit about who was presenting, uh, what te technology do they have to show off, anything that really kind of floats the boat? So there, there were two different tracks in Globecom. First one was about academia and the second one was about industry. Okay. So we were mostly industry-based uh, and we were interested in what the industry has to offer in terms of connectivity and communications. So the very first day was about different uh, workshops mm -hmm. about wireless communication and fixed connectivity. Right. The second day was about uh, fixed line and internet. So that day, uh, the chairman was Latif uh, Ladid, who is IPv6 Forum president and founder. Wow. He's a big guy. He has a big name in <laughs> when it comes to IPv6. And he had uh, guests from HP, uh, from Next Generation Internet Japan, and Internet Society Japan. Oh, wow. So they were mainly speaking about how IPv6 is important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in terms of migration from IPv4 to IPv6, oh. and also about uh, how industries should start doing that, yeah. and uh, how dual-stack uh, IP configuration between IPv4 and IPv6 can be done. And that stuff's pretty important because there's been so much uh, concern about the... Um, sort of, you know, struggles with IPv4 and the limitations as we start to add more and more devices and hence the IPv6. But just the sheer ability to look at a migration path must be a very interesting topic. Oh, yes. It was, it was very interesting, especially for the key players, the key industries that were there, the businesses that were there, yeah. that, are, that are looking forward to move from IPv4 to IPv6. And tell me a little bit about the types of migration. You mentioned to me before we started the podcast about Actually, when you're looking at a dual stack model, you could have percentages, I guess, that you want to move at certain times. You don't have to do it all at once, therefore allowing companies to, I suppose, manage their costs better during that migration. Yes. So um, when we talk about migration, it essentially means that your hardware or the capabilities that you have in your network infrastructure, they're ready to move towards IPv6. Yeah. But that comes with a lot of cost, of course. So if you're not really... Uh, you don't really want to 100% convert to IPv6. So what you can do is have a dual stack configuration. Uh -huh. Let's say 30% of your network moves to IPv6 and rest of the 70% stays on IPv4. That is possible. Basically maintaining the cost. All right, excellent. Anything else um, that sort of stood out for you? Yes, so uh, then uh, the next day we had a session about next generation wireless networks. Okay. And we had um, Qualcomm, uh -huh. uh, research director, Nice. Intel's research director and chief technologists, they were there. And the main theme of uh, the wireless communication part was how 5G is going to uh, change uh, the way we perceive wireless communication. Okay. How it's, uh, it differentiates itself from 4G, the unique use cases of 5G. And uh, there were some discussions about uh, the backhaul network. Okay. So we always hear a lot about the front-end use cases, yep. but we uh, sometimes we don't really hear about backhaul. Yeah. So it was more about how fiber communication in backhaul will be or might be replaced by microwave communication. Interesting. And that sort of brings that massive, I guess, um, question or the conundrum between when do I use, well, what are we 
perceived 5G to bring us versus using existing Ethernet fiber services. So fixed versus mobile, right? That's been going on for a long time. And especially for the partners out there um, uh, in our channel, it's a lot about, well, actually when will or when could or if mobile technology will surpass fixed technology uh, a lot of the ways. And it's quite interesting if you think then like when the backhaul side might be um, more important rather than, you know, the microwave side, the sort of after you know, the sort of front end of that piece. Yes. So um, uh, in terms of backhaul connectivity, what happens is we require, because it's a lot of control signaling. Yep. So we require massively high data rates. And that was enabled mostly through uh, fixed connectivity. But because in backhaul, microwave communication is, um, the microwave communication can be done using high frequencies Mm. which essentially allow high data rates. Okay. So that was the main theme, yep. that there could be, again, just like IPv6 and IPv4 dual stack, yep. we could have a backhaul configuration that consists of both uh, fiber optics and microwave communication. Was there any um, kind of reference to Europe or UK particularly around that, or were they just really speaking at a global level? So it was, as it was in Hawaii, yeah. so they had... <laughs> uh, <laughs> So they had uh, the president of uh, the main university, the central university in Hawaii. Okay. And he gave references mostly about Hawaii itself. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> they, they're right now, they're working on some projects which will uh, replace the fixed connectivity. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we'll move on a bit from this. So tell me a little bit about um, the other side. Like, what do you think was some of the most, you know, some of the coolest, most standout uh, tech on display or, or maybe even a demo you saw that you thought, wow, that's actually pretty interesting. So in Globecom, there were many uh, demos going on. Yeah. And they were, of course, uh, all revolving around communications and connectivity. But uh, as there are parallel sessions, lots of parallel sessions, so mm -hmm. you can only go to one or two. Oh, right. If you're okay. lucky. Yeah, fair enough. Got it. Yes. So for me, the most uh, outstanding one was uh, ultra high definition video streaming okay, cool. over the latest standard of Wi-Fi. And it was based on uh, one of the core technologies of 5G that I have previously, we have spoken about it mm -hmm. in one of our podcasts. It's the non-orthogonal multiple access, which allows uh, very high data rates up to 10 times the data rates of 4G. Yeah, if anyone wants to Google that, could they look for the acronym of NOMA? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's it's commonly known as NOMA. NOMA, yeah. Yes. So NOMA, what it does is it allows uh, simultaneous communication okay. between two or multiple end users mm -hmm. using the same time and frequency. Right. So for those of who know about 4G, you either use the same time domain or you use the same frequency. You cannot use the same, both of them same in a single time slot. Got it. So in non-orthogonal multiple access, somehow with minor tweaks and 5G magic, mm -hmm. uh, what they allow is that you can have multiple users with same time and frequency. So this allows uh, manifold uh, increase in throughput and bandwidth. Right, and that probably is why the demo shows ultra high definition yes video etc yes so during the session uh, they showed so their hardware was mostly based on soft it was software uh, defined okay so it was not actual hardware so yeah, they yeah. had softwares embedded in their laptops but you could easily see the difference between 
the same video mm. being displayed on a leg legacy infrastructure mm. and then on a 5G essentially yeah. non-autonomous multiple access infrastructure you could easily see the difference between both in terms of quality. And that's one of the strengths of um, I guess 5G coming to the fore and the real importance of what it can bring again probably for the for the partners and mostly in the telecoms uh, sector here in the UK um, cloud products, unified comms products uh, video and of course voice over IP. These things all play straight into that type of demo. Being able to use, um, you know, multiple uh, time frequency combination is actually pretty awesome. Yes. So um, in non-orthogonal multiple access, uh, one good thing is that you don't really all the devices don't really have to be five G enabled. Okay. There can be four G enabled devices as well. So this there were some concerns in the audience that, okay, it has to be a 5G-enabled device uh -huh. or a device that has to work according to non-orthogonal multiple access. So uh, as an answer to that, what they did is they um, used a legacy device as well mm -hmm. and showed the same results. Got it. That's actually pretty awesome. Yes. So backwards compatibility, really. Yes. So. Nice. I like it. Well, you know, one of the things that is important for our business is, you know, investing and um, having yourself available to go and present at Globecom hopefully starts to give us more and more credibility in the 5G space and any of our partners considering their own 5G strategy you know please do get in touch with us we can talk more about it but tell me what did you think Globecom what sort of impact would Globecom itself have not just for Pangea but maybe beyond Pangea? So Globecom was if I talk about wireless communication mm -hmm. Globcom was mostly about how 5G differentiates itself from 4G. Yeah. So there were lightning talks for just 10, 15 minutes, and all of them were emphasizing that 5G, if 5G is only about massive data rates, that essentially it will provide massive data rates. That is certain. Mm -hmm. But it's not really differentiating factor yeah. between 4G and 5G. Being faster isn't necessarily better. Yes. So... Um, uh, in 5G, the unique use cases yeah. that is uh, especially about ultra-reliable low-latency communication yeah. that will enable <clears throat> critical services such as a vehicular to uh, infrastructure V2X standard, okay. um, healthcare industry, yeah. uh, that is all about ultra-reliability. Then we can move towards uh, IoT connectivity. So yes, narrowband IoT will bring in... Uh, connectivity of up to 100,000 devices. Per square kilometer, right? Yes. Yeah. But when we talk about 5G and about massive IoT or massive machine type communication, then it's about a million devices yeah. per square kilometer. And that's one of the things I think that a lot of people um, just don't know at the moment, right? Because obviously most of the 5G related uh, market info has been directed at consumers. And um, a lot of it's been about foster, but actually, the other two sides is about vast improvements in latency with, you know, aiming to get sort of down below 10 and maybe as close single digit uh, milliseconds on latencies. And as you said, the massive machine type communication doing a million devices per square kilometer, um, outstripping current narrow band. But these things are in the future, but they are clearly part of the strategy for what 5G can deliver. What do you think it's, um, what do you think it meant for our own brand as well? being able to talk at Globcom and talk about your project? So one thing was that as our business is mostly revolving around IoT and connectivity in IoT, yeah. so um, the audience there 
uh, was mostly from the business. Mm -hmm. From uh, I I cannot name some channel partners, but there were <laughs> many <laughs> there were many companies who were highly interested in how um, this kind of project will uh, emphasize mm -hmm. or highlight the use cases of 5G. Yeah. So that was the. Uh, because the project itself is has too many technical details. Yeah. But when you highlight the part that okay, this, this is the outcome. This is the outcome, yeah. and five G can enable that. Yeah. So that was the key factor. Interesting, love it. Okay, uh, just looking to kind of um, round it up and sort of bring it back. Uh, besides improving, you know, your surf skills out in Hawaii, um, what else do you think uh, we can do? You know, Globecom is really well known for predicting some of the future trends. We like to bring our partners um, key information that other guys don't bring them, especially around where they should be investing their time or where they should be going about trying to change the game for themselves. What do you? What did you say? Some of the key takeaways for the partners. So I would say it's uh, mostly about five G vertical markets. Okay. So five G has many markets associated to it, uh, including, as I mentioned earlier, about V two X communication. Okay. So vehicular to infrastructure. Right, so vehicle to any infrastructure communication. Any 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 infrastructure okay. at all. So it can be vehicle to vehicle or vehicle to human in okay. any kind of communication. All right. Then uh, about IoT, so about yep. massive IoT, uh, healthcare industry, that mm -hmm. is also the focus for us as well uh, regarding the project, yep. about 5G-enabled healthcare in ambulances. So our partners should, I think, think about uh, the vertical industries associated with 5G. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of um, vertical industries, you know, if I was to add to that, I'd say you're going to get way more um, focus on um, your construction, your movable assets that can now in the future get far higher data rates, but also the improvements in the latency. I'm very excited to see what um, 5G could bring to our pre-Ethernet products in the future and helping people get um, not only a more resilient and quicker deployment, but actually a much more higher throughput as well. It's something I think our partners will definitely take advantage of in the near future. All right. The, um, my thanks to, to the doctor for joining us um, after his Globecom expedition in Hawaii. Thanks, Very Dan, cool. for having me. Thanks right. a lot. More than a pleasure. And um, for those of you who want to um, learn a bit more, please head over to our blog uh, for IoT Tech Guides, Sector Insights, or, you know what, give us a call if you want to start preparing for your 5G uh, story or your 5G strategy. Um, look forward to uh, you joining us again. My name is Dan Kandov, Managing Director at Pangea. Thank you very much.